Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC Podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people. It is week 42 of 2021. I'm Chris Louie, and we're back together this week. With me, I have my co-host, Brian Deach. Welcome back. Thanks, Chris. Uh, fresh back from my coronacation. Good to be back and good to be feeling a lot better, that's for sure. Well, I'm glad to hear you are doing better. And we also have Glenn Medina. Welcome back, too. Hey, thanks, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us. Happy to be back for podcast number 29. Unlike Deech, who recovered very well from coronacation, I got food poisoning this past weekend and, and spent it in the ER. So I feel like poop. But thanks for having me back. Did this uh, hook you up to some IVs or what? Bud? Yeah, yeah, it was bad. Yeah. It was really bad. Well, I'm glad everything is relatively okay and that you're able to, to make it today. So thanks for joining. No guests this week. I'm just glad to have my co-hosts back on the pod. Combined, we have decades of information security experience and are here not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for you this week. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. For opening topic, have you guys checked out any of the recent hype TV shows like Squid Game, Queen's Gambit, or The Money Heist? Well, that last one is not that new. There are four seasons. It's just new to me. And I know you guys also watch Ted Lasso. I'm only three episodes into The Money Heist, and I'm thinking of defecting over to Squid Game so I don't miss out on the bandwagon like uh, Tiger King last year. So have you guys checked any of them out? I think uh, both me and, and Glenn both watched Queen's Gambit. That was that was amazing. You, you saw that, right, Glenn? Oh, yeah. That was awesome. Totally agree yeah, with that you. that was a good one. And then uh, Ted Lasso is another great one. If you just want to laugh your butt off, that's that's definitely high on my list for sure. Yeah, it's a, is there such thing as dr- comedy drama that's comedy? Uh, that would be it, right? So it's not just silly antics. It's, a, it's actually got some some good humor to it and as well as a good storyline i think and it's it's a british storyline so it's even more inter- it makes it that much more interesting to me yeah that one's on apple tv plus but yeah i that one i'm really enjoying as well there's the, the humor is very clever in that one too there's a lot of puns there's a lot of clever jokes in there um, and then being being in the uk also is is a plus they they have a different kind of humor there but it translates really well over here uh, so yeah, definitely happy with Ted Lasso. I think the word you were looking for is a a dramedy. A dramedy, right? yeah. There you go. <laughs> so there I a dramedy. I, I tried watching Squid Games, and if I don't catch on in the first five minutes, I kind of turn it off. I, I did hear that uh, Tucker King is having a resurgence this year, so there's going to be a season two. Did you guys hear something of the same of the soap? I did not. I did not hear that they're coming back. Like I, I see some of the people in the news. Like there was this one, of the zookeepers that died uh, recently. So I saw his name in the news, but I did not hear that there's going to be a season two, maybe a, a fall of where they're at now. Yeah, it could be. I didn't actually watch all of Tiger King. I think we only got through a couple episodes. I'm like you, Glenn. It really has to captivate me. Otherwise, I'm I'm, I'm checked out. Have you guys seen La Brea? I think that's how you say it. Or or Superman and Lois. Oh yeah, Superman and Lewis is a is a is a good one. I haven't, just, I just haven't had the time to continue watching it. So, but it is on my. We got list. through season one. Yeah, me and my my youngest daughter, we loved that one. That was good. And La Brea, I only think has two episodes right now. It's about a sinkhole that opens up and 
in Los, uh, Los Angeles or something like that. But it's got a, a great storyline and you watch it, you're like, is this Lost? And then they make a reference to it being like Lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always have to appreciate a TV show that can make fun of itself. What do you think of Squid Games, Chris? I haven't seen it yet. It's it's on my queue. I haven't watched it. So I'm the same as you. I'm seeing a lot of hype and a lot of jokes around it online, which is makes me think like, oh, I might be missing out. And if I watch it a year from now, I'm gonna I'm gonna not get any of the jokes, or you know, it's gonna be over. So that's what I'm thinking of changing to start watching it, so I can at least be in on it. Uh, but I hear it's it's very good. I think it's Netflix's top series ever. Uh, on on the platform, one of their their originals. So, I mean, millions of people can't be wrong. So it might be yeah. worth worth checking out. Do you know what is what is it even about? Is it like a, I have no idea. Is it like horror movie show or what? The way it was pitched to me is there's it, it takes place in Korea, so it is Korean. It's dubbed in like seventy languages or something. But I, I always prefer subtitles over dub, and it's. I guess people that are in desperate need, that are in you know, dire financial straits, they can join this program where you play kids' video games, and if you win, you win a lot of money, and if you lose, you die. Basically, you die in like horrific ways, either like Final Destination or Saw or something. I, I haven't actually watched it, but that's how it was pitched to me. Interesting. I don't think I'm going to watch anything subtitled. Really? You don't like foreign films? No, not really. Too much huh. reading makes my brain hurt. But like Narcos, did you watch Narcos? Like most of that's did in not Spanish. watch Narcos. Huh. Okay. For, well, it, so describe foreign because Ted Lasso's foreign. <laughs> Non-English. Oh, yeah. Subtitle yeah. and not English. Oh, gotcha. Oh man, there's so many good foreign. The Raid, like The Raid, The Raid Redemption. Nope. Doesn't ring a bell. I'm trying to think of some of the really good. Run Lola Run. That was another good foreign film. Oh, we got to okay. make a list of movies for uh, for, for Brian here, yeah. Here. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to uh, the information security part of our podcast. Uh, for our first topic, we have to address the biggest news story this week, not just InfoSec news, but also mainstream media news. The PEPCAC podcast and my blog, The Security Brief, has always strived to report on InfoSec news, which we believe is not getting the mainstream media attention it deserves. But we are going to make an exception in this case. On October 4th, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, and all of their affiliated applications like Facebook Messenger went offline for over seven hours. I have to say it was the most civil the internet has ever been in recent history. It turns out that a bad route in a router messed up the BGP routing and then took down DNS, the internet's global address book, to turn friendly websites like Facebook.com into machine-readable addresses such as IP addresses. With the global routing tables no longer sending any traffic to Facebook's data centers, there was no way to remotely fix this problem, and Facebook scrambled their strike team to get into these highly secured facilities hosting their network equipment. Facebook basically locked their keys inside the car with no way to break a window to get back in. Getting into the highly secured data centers was also a problem because their badge system relied on a Facebook that was knocked, not knocked offline from the global internet, so they had to switch to manual control. Someone somewhere has a set of keys locked in a safe. Even once they got inside the data center, there were safeguards preventing in-person changes to prevent a malicious actor from taking them offline. They either 
locked out the console ports or had some type of sophisticated control preventing in-person access. The very safeguards they implemented to protect themselves made the recovery that much harder. Based on the revenues reported in their last earnings call, the seven-hour outage cost Facebook about $87 million in lost revenue and billions of dollars more in market capitalization when their stock price took a dive. Not to mention all the lawsuits which which will follow as many businesses rely on Facebook to make and receive payments for their businesses. Facebook is also one of the few OAuth providers with that coveted sign-in with Facebook button on many web pages. With Facebook down, these companies had no way to make sales. And I'll leave you with this. Sam Esmail's tweet that said, If this outage knocked Facebook offline forever, it would be the vaccination for the internet that we are all hoping for. So... This is on the, the heels of that, the whistleblower thing on, on 60 Minutes as well, right? Yes. So there, there was the whistleblower on 60 Minutes, and, and there was also the pending leak called the Pandora Papers of these hacked documents showing this this cabal of global leaders and their money flows. And uh, there are some conspiracy theories that was related to that, that Facebook was getting ready to take down, censor, or redact any information related to these uh, Pandora Papers. So that during this outage, the whole idea was that stuff was being, uh, information was being deleted somewhere. It only took them seven hours to do it. All right, good for them. Here's here's the, the shocking part. I didn't even know it was down. So like that's how much I depend on Facebook and Instagram. I mean, part of it was I, I was probably sleeping, but, you know, I digress. Do you guys know, like, if you do like a, a dig on Facebook today, you'll probably get back both an IPv4 address and IPv6. Did this BGP... Fubar take out both their IPv4 and 6 space or just one or the other? No, it took it, it took them down completely. For uh, Facebook, just for a while, they were just wiped off the map. Like there were, uh, Brian Krebs posted a screenshot from Twitter that that said they he went to a domain registrar and said Facebook.com is for sale. Like it just the records did not exist on the internet anymore. They were just gone. Could you imagine if uh, someone had registered the new Facebook.com at that same time? Yeah, that he just redirects you to MySpace. Get <laughs> 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 all MySpace. Yeah. The, the other funny part of this story is that every news person now is is becoming a network expert. There was a there's a clip from one of the UK uh, news outlets that said, "Yeah, the, you know, the the problem with Facebook is due to BGP, the Bridging Gap Protocol." I'm like, "Yeah, sure, buddy." <laughs> yeah, I saw that, and I was no, like, "This guy's an idiot." <laughs> That's the thing about BGP. No one knows that it exists until it, it doesn't work correctly, right? And then all of a sudden, the uh, the world's on fire. I'll tell you what, um, you know, going back to the whistleblower thing, one thing that I read is kind of interesting. Do you know that whistleblowers get paid out? So when they go raise hell and they divulge this information, uh, the federal government then sues Facebook or whatever. I have no idea exactly how it works, but part of that money is paid out, ends up going to the whistleblower. Really? So there's yeah. like an incentive to do the right thing here to get paid. Exactly. Yeah. I I could be wrong, but I think it was it might have been related to the Sarbanes Oxley Act after uh, the fall of Enron, where companies like or organizations like the SEC say if you notice fraud, if you notice or even the IRS does a suit, if if your company's cheating on their taxes, if you notice accounting fraud and we, we levy fines because you blew the whistle, we will give you a cut of of that fine. So it is an incentive to, to do the right thing. Dang. All right. Good for them. 
I mean, it makes sense. Like, these people are the eyes and ears inside the organization. On the one part, it, it keeps them honest. On the other part, it's like, well, you're asking your companies, to, your employees to tell on you. But in the end, if you're breaking the law, you're breaking the law. Like, we don't want another Enron again. What do you think about all their safeguards to prevent from prevent them from even doing their job, coming back in there and fixing stuff? Like, do you think that was, do you think they were blown away? Or like, like can you imagine that? Like, like literally... I've had experiences like where I was working at U.S. Airways, right? And people were unable to book tickets. And there was like the chain of command, right? Just walking from cubicle to cubicle. And the train got longer and longer. Like, what happens when it's Facebook and they're going to lose $87 million? I mean, that's an insane amount of money. And, and then how do you rationalize that it's actually $87 million? That's the other side of it. Because you get companies well, that... Apparently, they, yeah. Make twelve million dollars an hour. How do you not know this? Uh, I guess so. <laughs> you take their yeah, you take their quarterly revenue. You divide by how many hours there are in a quarter, and then that's their revenue per hour times seven hours, and I think that's how they that's how keep they up with number. the number. Yeah, it's it's a rough estimate. I, I'm sure the loss is going to be way more than than that, but that's in from a revenue perspective, that's that's their ad revenue lost during that time. So, do you think that this was accidental or, or intentional? I'm leaning on intentional. I'm not sure. Like I read the root cause analysis, and I only read the official Facebook root cause analysis. So they could they can spin it any way they want. But but yeah, they they said that they have a a tool to sanitize commands so things exactly like this don't happen. And then they said the tool to verify the commands was not working properly, and it allowed the command to go through anyway. Very possible that this was intentional, disgruntled employee, or for the lulls. But yeah, I I've seen. BGP problems happen by accident, like all the time. Well, I guess by accident, but on purpose. I remember, I think, was it Egypt or Pakistan? Somebody wanted to take down YouTube, so they injected a bad BGP route to YouTube. It was only supposed to be for the country, but that got propagated all over the world, and YouTube was down for, like, hours uh, a couple years ago. Um, so when it comes to BGP and, and DNS, it is very possible that this was accidental. Imagine the, the network team that covers this 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 process, right? You think they're all, you know, sphincter factor of, you know, 1,000 right now? Going, do I even have a job? Am I going to have to go find someplace else to work? Just yeah. imagine you're the one guy that did it. You're, you're like, Ugh. hey, guys, uh, so uh, I actually took everything down. Like, I found a bug. Like, you... I found a bug. <laughs> you know who should hire that guy? You know who should hire the person or the guy or the girl that took it down is is Southwest. And put him in that want to get away commercial. <clears throat> Want to get away? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> or hey Bob, there's that the the hey Bob the guy from IT that just said hey I uh, I clicked on this malware. <laughs> he should be that guy in that commercial too. Yeah. Do you think that there's someone else from a infosec policy or something like that? They're like, hey, listen, like I understand we did all this cool stuff to make sure our our stuff was secure, but we need to have a better like bug out plan if this happens again as opposed to seven hours. It should have taken seven minutes. That's what they said. In the root cause analysis, they said they kind of patted themselves on the back. Well, thankfully, we've had you know disaster preparedness protocols and we've rehearsed them extensively. We just never thought that every data center would get knocked offline at the same time, but we're going to practice for it now. That's, there There definitely got to be lessons learned here. This is going to get incorporated into their business continuity planning. Um, so unfortunately, it has to happen before people think about these things 
I'm just curious what the command was that was ran. Like, was it literally one line? It's probably delete these routes. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> no, not that route. <laughs> just joking around. Yeah. Do you think the guy that did it knew? Like, he's like, oh, no. I think... Or he's just like, uh, uh, commit, save. I'm going to go grab a beer. I think he know? knew the <laughs> minute he had pressed commit or enter. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, your mind goes, did I just do Uh-oh. something? And then you can see, like, the lights in the server room or whatever start to drop or everything like that. I don't know. So. Got to be a good story behind that. See if we can get that guy to come on the pepcac. <laughs> I'll get right on that. I mean, literally, the the problem exists <laughs> because the, of this guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly, the chair and the keyboard. Our next story. When I read about it in the press, I had to say, "Are you kidding me?" Like, there are a lot of infosec stories out there that make me say that, but this one is from Apple. The next topic involves the Apple AirTag device. It's a tracking device well not really a tracking it's it's a device that you can stick on your luggage your car keys uh in your car or put one on your kid and apple uses its army of iphones to track the whereabouts of that air tag if you ever lose the item it's attached to this is very similar to the old tile devices that you've seen people attach to their keys one of the features air tags allows for is if somebody finds an air tag on the street that's been set to lost mode They can scan it with their iPhone or Android device to find the owner's contact information if the owner stored this prior to losing it. That allows our good Samaritan to contact the owner and return the item the AirTag was attached to. Full disclosure, I'm probably poor OPSEC, but I use one on my keys, I have one in my work backpack, and I throw one in my luggage when I travel. That way I can find one of these items if it's ever lost or stolen. Well, it turns out that Apple does not follow the OWASP Top 10 and allowed for a cross-site scripting attack in the lost and found information for the AirTag. That means a good Samaritan who finds an AirTag on the street or parking lot, they'll, they'll scan it, trying to do the right thing and return the item to its owner, but they can be taken to another site, such as an iCloud phishing page. So good job, Apple. All you had to do was add input sanitation or input validation on the phone number field. Are you kidding me? Our employer does not even allow you to put a less than or greater than sign in the field where you open the support ticket to prevent this exact same thing from happening. We have all likely heard or seen in the movies a type of hacking attack where someone's trying to break into a corporate network, they scatter a bunch of USB drives over the parking lot and hopes someone takes it into the building, plugs it into a computer to launch a malicious payload. Just think of that, but now with AirTags. The worst part of this is the only people who scan the AirTag devices are going to likely be good people who want to return the items to its rightful owner. Now, evil NFC is not new, just like evil QR codes where an attacker will reprogram an NFC chip if the right bit is enabled to deliver a malicious payload or phishing link, or a QR code on an advertisement and an attacker puts their own QR code sticker on top of the legitimate one to redirect people to a malicious website or phishing link. So when you hear like cross-site scripting like this, you have to think like out of all of the million things that are out there that you can buy today, I would think that Apple AirTag probably be the last thing I would be checking to see if it's vulnerable to something on the top 10 OWASP. Like you just like, I just can't even imagine that, you know, you would think that they would have gotten that one, buttoned it up real, real quick and easy to, to prevent that from happening. So it just, it just goes to show you, right? You, Apple, 
who does a lot of things right, they miss things periodically. Totally. And so, hey, Chris, you're a consumer of the AirTags. Have you disabled yours? And have you actually validated any of this? I have not. So, I, I, yeah, that's, that's a good question, actually. I, I have not put mine in lost mode and tried to scan it. I trust the researchers that did, did the work on this, that it actually does work. But, yeah, it, 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 it seems like something that should be easy. Just don't allow you know less than and greater than signs in the phone number field and problem goes away. Basic common sense. I will tell you the most valuable thing that you can do with AirTags is go on Amazon and buy a little plastic like holder for your Apple TV remote that has a, an embedded place to put the Apple AirTag because I'm losing that damn remote all the time. And so we we bought a couple of these. And so when we can't find the remote, I just open up the, the you know find my devices, and that thing just leads me right to it. That is you know probably the best seven ninety nine I've ever spent in my entire life. Plus or minus three feet, two feet, one feet, one foot. Like within fifteen feet, you just move it around, oh, right, wow. and then it just kind of shows an arrow where you're at, and then eventually you're like, oh, it was in between these two cushions. Like, yeah, that's pretty good. It's been bad. There's been fights that broke out in the house, like. <laughs> So you assume, that, you assume that I know where my remote is. Uh, I have not seen my rem- Apple TV remote in probably two years now. So you just use your phone? I just use my phone. Or the Apple Watch. The Apple Watch has a built-in app as well. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. You guys that. are way ahead of me. Something I don't do. Yeah, and on the topic of lost and found, um, <clears throat> Apple enabled fi- enhanced Find My for AirPods now. So the AirPods Max, the AirPods Pro, and I think the regular AirPods as well. Um, instead of using the NFC, it uses uh, Bluetooth, but it's at least better than the old Find My for your, your AirPods, which was absolutely unusable. Well, there's three components though, right? There's left ear, left AirPod, left, right AirPod, and now the case. So it's usually, I'm not missing the whole thing. I'm usually missing one or the other. Maybe, I don't know. I think previously it, it worked better that way because if, if you had one out of the case, it could connect to your phone and you could play like a really loud noise through it. Okay. The problem was, and this was the entire reason why you would have this feature, is if I lost the whole case with the AirPods in it, uh, Find My did not used to work with that because the AirPods would not connect to the phone. There's no Bluetooth on. And, oh, there's even a new feature. If, you, if you've lost your AirPods, you can mark them lost. And if somebody finds them and tries to pair it with their phone, you can lock them out from pairing it with with their phone previously you could not do that now if you mark it lost the airpods um, are useless to anyone that finds It'd it be if cool if you, you could mark, mark them it out lost of their phone <laughs> <laughs> have you guys upgraded to ios 15 yeah i did yeah yeah i uh I, I did the whole like i was powering it off for something and i noticed it was like hey find my iphone is going to remain active when your phone's turned off i'm like hell yeah that is awesome <laughs> let's go apple yeah, it's, it's good as a consumer if you lost your iPhone. It's bad if you don't want to be tracked, though. Although, I guess or you just turn that feature off yeah, if you don't want to be tracked. Well, it's, uh, or you're just, a thief. Right? I, I just, yeah, let's, let's talk about that, right? So I was watching some, some a YouTube channel, and they were talking about thefts in a certain city. And the thefts are like if they stole a bag, they get X amount of money. But if they got phones, they got like high dollar for those phones. And it's like... You know, we have, you know, find my iPhone, find my device. How, how, how could, you know, the police not take advantages and take this exactly to where the device is, 
because you could probably group a bunch of people that are complaining that their their stuff got stolen or they got robbed and go back to the actual culprits themselves. It's like sleuthing 101, right? I, I'm sort of familiar with this, this story because the city in question might be one that's 10 minutes north of me right now. And I, I've, I've read stories about that. So thieves steal phones uh, because of the fine might. They either have to get an Apple store manager or somebody pretty high level to overwrite the, the lockout mm-hmm. uh, of that, which you know involves bribing an insider, which a lot of people aren't sophisticated enough to do. Um, the other way is they they buy it for the scrap value of the phone because the screen's good, the battery's good, the case is good. You could resell those to a chop shop. It's like a chop shop for your your mm-hmm. phone. Um, it's, it's still got value there. Um, and then the last one is uh, they take the phones into a giant Faraday cage. Uh, there was a place in in San Francisco where the police actually knew. They said for you know when people did use my find my iPhone, their last known location. It's like this warehouse in the warehouse district, and the police are like, "Oh yeah, that's that's where they all all the iPhones go to die." So number one, the police knew where they went. Number two, I don't know why they didn't raid the place since they know so many stolen phones are there. But you know the police know that this place is like a giant Faraday cage, and they lose signal as soon as it gets near this this warehouse. Shame on them, right? They've got enough reasons. You've got a thousand iPhones that disappear into this area. Well, maybe I go get a search warrant for this area and just stop that and prevent that from happening further. Yeah, there. there's that side of it. And then there's the, we might be wading too much into politics here, but uh, there's also the district attorney side of it as well. So I, I, I know people in law enforcement in the city that I live near, and their complaint is even if we catch the guys, the DAs don't prosecute uh, for a number of reasons we won't get into, yeah. but but yeah, there's uh, there's laws in California, there's laws in the area that I live in that uh, sometimes the DA won't prosecute or it's not feasible for them to to prosecute, and that's that's why this continues to go on. It's a great time to be a U.S. citizen. <laughs> All right, on to our next topic. Uh, in July 2019, a woman entered the mobile out mobile mobile mobile. Mobile Alabama-based Spring Hill Medical Center for a scheduled labor to give birth to her child. What the mother did not know at the time was that a cyber attack knocked the hospital's IT systems offline for more than three weeks, necessitating a return to paper charting, disrupting staff communication, and compromising the ability of fetal heartbeat monitors in the labor and delivery ward. Now, having gone through a labor and delivery about three years ago, I can tell you that literally everything in a modern hospital is extremely interconnected and reliant on available IT systems. The heartbeat monitor, the thing that measures contractions, even communication systems to contact doctors and nurses. If the IT infrastructure goes down, it's back to the dark ages. Just because the hospital's IT systems were down does not mean the hospital was closed. Like many other organizations who are hit with cyber attacks, they switched to manual control and delivered the baby the old-fashioned way. Unfortunately, because there was no monitoring available, limited information, and doctors were hard to reach, the baby was born unconscious with the umbilical cord wrapped around her neck. A few months later, unfortunately, the baby passed away due to complications from the birthing process. If proven in court, this would actually mark the first real-world death due to a cyber attack. Last September, so in 2020, a woman in Germany had that title when an ambulance carrying her was diverted to a hospital over an hour away due to a cyber attack at the hospital she was supposed to go to. The woman passed away and she would be alive today if she received the treatment sooner. The Mobile Alabama Hospital was targeted by the REAC ransomware crew. 
So when I say these guys are a bunch of scumbags, they embody every meaning of the word. These stories illustrate the sad intersection of cyber attacks and real life consequences. Security is more about mitigating risk. That's our day job and our mission to make the world a safer place through improved cybersecurity. But there are real world consequences when we as a cybersecurity community fail. I think it'd be tough to prove that <clears throat> the, the ransomware is actually what caused this unfortunate scenario to come through like this. That's, I mean, the whole thing sucks, right? And I guess you have to look at it and say, well, could, could something have been avoided here? Yes or no. And that, unfortunately, I ain't no doctors. I have no idea, but that's, that's as heartbreaking. Jesus. I, I, I think it's not just the ransomware attack, right? It's probably a series of misfortune, mis unfortunate events, right? The idea that yes, they, the, the systems were down. But B, they didn't have the secondary backup. They didn't have a way to contact the doctors because the normal way is through telephone systems or whatever. So it's it's a series of events that broke down that caused that to happen as opposed to just this one thing, right? It was probably the instigator of the issue. Uh, I'll, I can back that. I, I could probably say that with 100% affirmation, right? But not the only thing that caused that event to happen. That's just my view. You guys? That, that's what happened with the case in Germany last year. Uh, German prosecutors were brought in and they were trying to bring murder charges against the, the ransomware crew, the people that perpetuated the cyber attack. And the German prosecutors, very similar to what you guys are saying, they said, yeah, unfortunately, now, number one, there's no law that directly connects this, you know, a, a cyber attack to an unfortunate death. Number two, it's, it's really, really hard to prove that link. It, it, like when we think about it logically, it says, yeah, if that woman made it to the hospital in time, uh, she would be alive. If we had the right fetal heartbeat monitors online, we would know that the baby's heart rate spiked and we, they should have done an emergency, emergency C-section instead. Uh, logically, that makes sense in our mind, but there are going to be legal requirements. There's a legal definition of murder. There's a legal definition of involuntary manslaughter and whether or not this is going to measure up to that. It's going to be for the courts to decide. It didn't work out in Germany and we'll have to see what happens here in, in Mobile, Alabama. I wonder if, since you can't do, you know, prosecution, right? I wonder if you could do, what, what's the other one where you can prosecute uh, for personal, um, for personal... Civil. Civil. It could be a civil matter. Yeah. yeah, like a wrongful death suit. Exactly. That has less validation or less need for validation. You just have to prove that it's the initial thing that caused the uh, the event to occur, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So criminal, it's it's a very high bar. And then if it goes to a jury trial, it has to be unanimous. Uh, civil, uh, sometimes there's not even a jury trial. And even, even if there is a jury, then it I think it's nine out of 12. It, it probably varies by jurisdiction, but it doesn't have to be uh, unanimous. And then I guess the last point is, uh, if it's civil, the hospital system could also settle. They could admit no wrongdoing, yeah. uh, pay for the wrongful death lawsuit and, and, and settle out of court. So the real question is, is the, does the mom, does she go after the hospital? And then does the hospital try to flip back over and go after Ryuk? Is that how you say it? Ryuk? Ryuk, yeah. I, I, I think the mom is going after the hospital. I'd like go Basically after saying, yeah. 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 I think her case is the hospital uh, should have warned her that, that their systems were offline and they had to go manual. Maybe she would have gone to a different hospital that was online and make, make different decisions. You know, hindsight being twenty twenty what it is but i think that's the the core of her argument is is there was you know gross negligence on the hospital's part for not informing her and 
not having these these uh, systems be available. For our last topic, and it will be a rotating topic every week, it's InfoSec related, but I really hope it makes you laugh. Last month, a Suffolk County, New York IT supervisor was arrested for allegedly mining Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies using the power and internet of public buildings he was in charge of securing. The damages included thousands of dollars in electric bills to the public taxpayers. Authorities seized 46 cryptocurrency mining devices throughout the county, and some of them were hidden under floorboards or in the ceiling or even inside walls. And in addition to stealing power, the IT supervisor had to circumvent IT security controls to allow the miners to call out to the internet, potentially putting other IT systems at risk. Think if one of these cryptocurrency miners were infected with some type of malware, it would give unrestricted access to the county's network. He faces up to 15 years in jail if convicted of all charges. This reminds me of a story about two years ago in September 2019 when officials in Ukraine reported that some, get this, nuclear power plant employees with idle time and looking for some extra side cash, they connected, wait for it, they connected an air-gapped network of the power plant to the internet in order to mine cryptocurrency. After an investigation, authorities seized several crypto mining computer rigs from the nuclear plant and placed there by the workers who wanted to use the power plant's power instead of their own to mine the, the cryptocurrency. By connecting the air gap network to the internet, employees exposed the nuclear power plant's network to the outside world and made it vulnerable to attack. Russia allegedly successfully attacked the Ukrainian power grid multiple times and despite all the efforts to secure their networks against further attack, the end user has destroyed years worth of work and hundreds of million dollars in security controls. Now, Brian, you and I actually gave a talk a few years back about how vulnerable SCADA systems are when they are connected to the internet and how Ukraine's power grid went down due to the cyber attacks. Yeah, that was a, that was definitely a good talk that we had. I mean, got some old A computers, Windows embedded, right? Likely underlying OS of Windows 95 and whatnot. Um, yeah, but looking, I, I've been following along a little bit um, recently on some uh, crypto mining stuff just to see like what other people are doing. I mean, like I don't even understand this. Like, they'll buy like the you know the crypto mining devices, but they're custom built ASICs, right? So to yeah. basically crunch large numbers, but they're not. It's not like it's like six hundred bucks. Like these people are dropping like twenty grand, and then they're mining some cryptocurrency I've never even heard of. Uh, for you know the the nominal fee of like fifty bucks a day or something like that, like I have to wonder, like uh, you know, with like heck, I don't even know what you would say with uh, you know Bitcoin or some of the others they alike, right? Like the, the prices are just going so high, like it might be worth getting back into the game again, even though it's going to take you forever to mine something. What do you think, Chris? Guys, you're looking at this the wrong way. You're looking at this the wrong way. This guy got caught. He's got the Bitcoin. I guarantee you he didn't spend any of it. They should just take that all from him and, and then consider that all profit. You know, whatever he paid or has to pay in electricity uh, for doing that, they just made profit on that. I guarantee you he, he's made more to them over the, la over the, was it, the last 20 years since, since 2000 than, than these guys have ever thought about making for the whole county. Um, from just electricity usage alone, right? So that's just my view. 
And what did yeah, they do? I don't know with how that? long this guy's yeah. yeah, I don't know how long this guy's been doing it. I'm, I'm sure he'll owe something in restitution. You know, the damages uh, that that he paid. Um, the trial will go on, and he'll have to he'll have to pay something out of it. Uh, I, I guess there's there's yeah, he'll owe the restitution. I don't know if they could force him to turn over the Bitcoin. He might have to forfeit it. Um, whether or not he'll be compelled to give it or how he can give it. Because there's always the argument, I forgot my wallet password, if he had a password-protected wallet. And it's like, what are you going to do? You can't torture the guy to get his password well, out of it. Yeah, stay in jail or, you know, surrender <laughs> the Bitcoin. <laughs> It'll probably just make him pay a fine. He can sell his Bitcoin to to uh, pay the fine. But yeah, uh, Brian, your question. There, there are actually online calculators that say, how much does the device cost? How much does your power cost? Uh, you know, what what coin are you trying to mine? You know, what's the difficulty today? What's the difficulty going to be in a week? And they're actually ROI calculators that says it's going to take you three months to break even. Or they'll say, this is a bad investment. Don't even go there. You'll never make your money back. Um, there's, there's a lot that goes into that. But one of the big parts is if you have free power or the concept of free power, there's, there's no such thing as free power. Someone else has to pay for it. But if it's free to you power, then that makes that calculation a lot easier and they are away a lot, a lot faster. Yeah, look at you, Mr. Well, boys, I'm moving back in with my parents. Mr. Sunshine. <laughs> you, you've got sunshine over there, you know, like 20 hours a day in, in Phoenix, right? So you should right. be able to just mine at least during the day with no issues. But, you know, when I look at like, because we have solar and, you know, how much we overproduce, I'm like, man, I should just be throwing that through a, a you know, some type of uh, Bitcoining machine uh, to harvest that instead of, you know, paying back at, you know, Pennies on the dollar. Yeah. Pennies back to the grid. Yeah. 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 I think it's, it's fine. Not only was he stealing power though, but these, these devices have to communicate out on uh, non-standard ports like port, you know, 3333 or use some type of protocol that's typically not allowed on, on a network. But I mean, this guy was in charge of, of IT security. So he just poked a hole through the firewall and let, let his own stuff out. So, I mean, that was, again, that was a huge risk that these, Bitcoin miners, they're not hardened. They're not tested to any type of standard for, for security. These things could be running Telnet. They could be running an unprotected web server on it for, for all we know. And it, it's just a gigantic hole in security to, to just have these things sitting on your county's network. How do, you, how do you start out with one and end up with like 10, I think is what it said. So it's kind of funny. It's yeah. like 10 machines costing the country, uh, county over six thousand dollars a month for he had 46 devices 46. that's crazy he's just he that... probably started with one and then he's like well no one's noticing let me get a couple more and yeah. then he's like no one's noticing so yeah he got a little more bold until he got up to 46 if he would have kept it at 10 how, how no one would ever know him? yeah whistleblower <laughs> someone probably... i think somebody um, Somebody at the county's auditing office finally woke up and said, hey, how come, how come our power bill is like thousands of dollars more this month? Yeah. I doubt it, man. Like, if it's in a data center, it's, it's a, that's a drop in the bucket. It's true. Right? Yeah. And he's an IT supervisor. I don't know. Hey, I, I do have a PSA for everyone that uh, if, you're, if you don't have solar power, but you're considering it now, let me be the first one to tell you that um, maybe you don't buy it. Maybe you should lease it because I bought mine and... Uh, I got I received a text message at the end of July from from Tesla and says, "Hey, your inverter's down. Um, you know, click here to troubleshoot." So you walk through the troubleshooting efforts, and it's really like it's like two blinking lights, right, on something that's about seven feet in the air in my in my uh, in my garage. 
And so I go through there and it's like, it's, it's pretty simple. It's like, I turn this off, turn this off, uh, go back onto the grid, wait five minutes, come back, and then either comes back on or not. So it doesn't come back on. So then, uh, and then I'm trying to deal with, with Tesla. I'm like, hey, any guys, I need you guys to come out here to, to fix this. And they said, yeah, no problem. We'll be out there in October. So, oh, man. What? Yeah. And that was, that was yeah. what, last month? Yeah, that was end of July. Oh. And so here it is, October. And uh, they're, they'll finally be here tomorrow. But I've since then got the utility bill from my my power company, right? Before I was, I was, you know, like time of use plan, blah, blah, blah. And I went over to solar. So during peak hours of the day, I am getting rained. Like it is, it. I have never seen electricity bill so high in my life. And so then I, I called Tesla. I'm like, hey guys, so... Here's my bill. I need you to obviously, you know, pay me uh, back. Pay me back. And they said, "Oh, you, yeah, you don't get that." Like, what do you mean I don't get that? They're like, "No, you don't get it because you bought your your system, so it's kind of on you." I'm like, "You mofos, <laughs> like, you don't understand." Like, you mean if I would have just leased this from you, then it would have been on your problem? They're like, "Yeah, absolutely." So there's that. So on top of all this nonsense, right? Not having electric uh, solar since the the end of July, like the 27th or something like that got this huge uh utility bill no discernible way to figure out what the hell or how the heck did they even fix it and so uh and now i have to go to srp uh that's my utility and be like hey guys you know how you're charging me like eight times more for electricity during peak hours could you be nice and just uh oh, discount man. that for me since i didn't have i wasn't i wasn't producing guys yeah. you gotta help me out here so we'll see what happens that's terrible yeah Good luck with that, man. That, yeah. That's uh, really unfortunate. You miss peak generation season too, like July, August, September yeah. for oh, you yeah. in Arizona. Yeah. Yep. And then, yeah, like, and then you call any electrician, they're like, "We have no idea." Like, we don't know. Yeah. It's all connected. Yeah, thanks, man. So, <laughs> all right. Well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week. Glenn is up. Yeah, guys. So, you know, in honor of Windows 11 coming out this past week, um, do you guys know the definition of insanity? That's doing the same thing and expecting different results or something like that. Yeah. So for me, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, has obviously, obviously never had to reboot a Windows computer. (laughs) fair enough fair enough all right to wrap things up facebook went offline due to a routing error unfortunately they came back seven hours later scanning an air tag hoping to return it to its owner can potentially send you to a malicious website there's a legal battle right now to determine the first real world death due to a cyber attack The most secure systems can be circumvented by employees looking to enrich themselves. And lastly, lease your solar. That's all I have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast. You can help us grow the podcast by telling someone about it. Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who rated us five stars in the iTunes store and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the PebCAC podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. For my co-hosts, Brian Deach and Glenn Medina, I'm Chris Lloyd. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next week. And as always, have a nice day. 
have a good one, everyone. Thank you. Later. Have a nice day.